Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Welcome back. I'm Barrett. It's good to see you. You have not heard an intro from me, which Nathan just let me know, in almost a whole week, maybe a whole week. I mean, honestly, I don't know what you did without me, but um, what I did was uh, take some time off. So here we are. It's episode 21 of The Future Belongs to Creators, and today we are talking about defining your flywheel to increase your creative output. Um, We talked about flywheels a little bit when it came to uh, the creator journey episode, but we want to really dive in on this concept because we think it's really powerful. And if you can get it right in your business, it will carry you a long way. But before we get into all of that, Nathan, how are you? Red, yellow, green. I'm green today. Today's a good day. Uh, I had to get a tweet out really quick to let people know that we are recording live. So that's what I was doing right then. Um, Let's see. You know... I, I probably shouldn't say this because it's going to go to your head, but here it goes. <laughs> Look at that anticipatory face right there. <laughs> no, yesterday was kind of a rough day, you know, like just wasn't feeling the creative energy, trying to figure out how to channel it, all of that. And then we we did a podcast. It was good. I liked it. And then I talked to you for a bunch of time. And then I had like all this energy and I probably fit like half a day's worth of work in that time from Five o'clock when I stopped talking to you to like 5.40 when I went to go hang out with the kids and have dinner and all that. It's just like- So you're saying I am a great creative catalyst. (laughs) That is what I'm saying. Thank you, Barrett Brooks, creative catalyst. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm green. I'm green. And uh, you can't help but be green after a compliment like that. That's right. I am I am green as green can be. Green as the, the green grass outside that hasn't been subjected to summer heat yet. <laughs> How's that for a uh, pseudo-southernism? <laughs> oh, man. I'm just imagining the episode oh, of you sitting out on the front tor- porch, drinking your sweet tea, you know. Uh, Southern Bear is a, is a treat. Can't wait. Um, I'm green, as you might be able to tell from the energy. Um I've been doing a thing. So for a long time, well, I've had an on and off again, relationship with coffee in my life uh, because I adore it. However, uh, my body does not, my body doesn't process it super well and it hangs around with me for a really long time. So it affects my sleep and everything like that. So I usually try and get off of it and like stay off of caffeine if I can, but I've been doing a thing from home because I enjoy it. I've been making uh, steamed oat milk or frothed oat milk really in this little frother we have and just putting like two ounces of coffee in there. And so it gives me a nice little buzz, but it's not enough that it affects my sleep. And I'd never do it two days in a row. Hmm. So I don't get the addiction. Um, today though <laughs> is a coffee day and I could not be more excited. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so apparently this, well, I can't remember if I've talked about this already on the show, but this, uh, pandemic has turned me into a coffee lover. Have we not? No, we haven't talked about this. So no things that people don't know about me. I don't drink coffee. I haven't ever liked it. Sometimes if it's like 
I don't know, I'm sitting down for a coffee meeting with a customer or something and like, yeah, we're just ordering and it just makes sense to like, they get nice coffee. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get some fancy drink or whatever. That's going to take a bunch of time. I'll just, I'll just get nice coffee as well. And should be fine. Never that into it, never into the caffeine from it and all that. Anyway, for a team retreat, we got an espresso machine for the team retreat. A nice one. I think it was like 500 bucks. Um, so really good one. Breville, I believe. And, uh, the team, we, I don't know, we, we made hundreds and hundreds of lattes over the course of five or six days in California. Definitely got our money's worth. And it was like, okay, who's going to take care of this for, um, you know, for a while, like between now and the next team retreat. And it ended up at Ashley's house, which she lives half a mile from me. Uh, she's also, she's a director of operations. She's also my sister-in-law. We've been really good friends for a very long time. And uh, she and her husband, Philip, are, were quarantine buddies. So they're the only people that we see during this quarantine. So th- instead of going to a coffee shop, my thing has been to go over to their house like once a week. And that's been like the outing. And uh, they had the espresso machine making coffee. I couldn't have chai tea lattes, which I normally do. Anyway, this is a long story, but the gist of it is that the quarantine has made me now like and enjoy coffee. And I've been making espresso lately and it's good. I'm so surprised. You're, you're like one of two friends who has just always been like, nah. Not interesting. Yeah, but here we are. Also, the espresso machine's at my house now, so. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> I think I'm supposed to give it back to Ashley at some point, but yeah, we'll see. Maybe it'll work its way around all the Boise convert people before the next retreat. Anyway. Well, on that note, let us move on to our topic of the day, which is flywheels. And uh, so the kind of format we're going to follow, we are going to define flywheels. We're going to revisit the creator flywheel that we defined in our creator journey episode. And then we are going to break down three real businesses and what we would say an ideal, well, I don't know, ideal, it's going to be on the fly. So a flywheel for that business might be the goal of this episode is for you to be able to walk away, re-listen to this and then define your own flywheel so you know what the highest leverage activities are that you can do in your business, and ideally so that you know what you can ignore to make more progress faster. So I want to kick things off with um, reading a definition of a flywheel from the man, the myth, the legend, Jim Collins. I know you thought I was going to say Nathan Barry right there, but in this case, it's a different legend, which is Jim Collins. He was the creator of the concept of a fly. Well, the concept of a flywheel is applied to business, I suppose. Uh, so what he says is, uh, and this is from originally the good to great, um, kind of book and follow on a little singlet that he released that we've told you about. So the concept of the book was what differentiates companies that are just good at what they do versus great. A lot of the information has been kind of like, uh, I don't know, countered or questioned because of the way those companies performed afterwards. But still, I think there's some useful takeaways. Mm -hmm. So the way he defines a flywheel is in creating a good to great transformation, there's no single defining action, no grand program, no single killer innovation, no solitary lucky break, no miracle moment. Rather, it feels like turning a giant heavy flywheel, pushing with great effort. You get the flywheel to inch forward. You keep pushing With persistent effort, you get the flywheel to complete one entire turn. But you don't stop there. You keep pushing. The flywheel moves a bit faster. Two turns, then four, eight, 
the flywheel builds momentum. 16, 32, moving faster, 1,000, 10,000, 100,000. Then at some point, breakthrough. The flywheel flies forward with almost unstoppable momentum. So I love this because it creates this vibrant visual of what you can imagine happening as you create a system. It is really just another name for a system in your business for driving progress. And ultimately how we measure progress is does your business make money and support you earning a living from it? And so that is the ultimate output, but the inputs might not be what you always expect there because you can't jump straight to making money. So that's what we want to talk about. So Nathan, um, we've kind of fleshed out the creator flywheel a little bit more and shared with the team. You want to walk us through some of the the four or five steps that we've defined? Yeah. Well, actually I want to go really quick just to what we believe might be ConvertKit's flywheel and share that Mm. just as another example, because you first introduced this topic and I started paying attention to it. That this more examples were really helpful. So what we have here is basically instead of a series of events in sequence, right? We're going around in a circle. And so number one is be a part of the creator community. The, we believe that the more deeply embedded we are there, the better we'll understand it, know what to build, all of that. So build software to connect creators to their audience. Uh, and then three is uh, provide an incredible experience to create raving fans, tell their stories uh, to inspire and educate more creators. And then that will further get us deeper into the part, like being a part of the creator community. So when we're talking about flywheels, they could have any number of steps, like there's no hard and fast rule, but we typically end up in that four to six range. And that's what we've seen. Um, You want to narrow it down specifically enough that every step has lots of meaning and it's not just there because felt it was necessary or you can't figure out a better way to phrase it, but not so few steps that like it's a really small wheel that doesn't roll very well and, and uh, it doesn't flow very well. So one defining part of this is that we believe each one of these steps makes uh, f- flows naturally into the next step. And then also every rotation of this continues to build momentum. So you'll notice that it's not a whole ton of sporadic activities. You know, it's getting further and like deeper and deeper in the community. And then as we build software for them to connect to an audience, like we're we're actually not saying just build software. We're saying to connect creators to their audience, we're getting specific. And then we're getting into, you know, experience defines both uh, the product experience, the customer support experience, the brand experience. And then we believe that that's really driven by stories. And the more stories we tell, the better we understand our community and the deeper we're, we're in. So it like number four really rolls in to number one. So that's an example of a flywheel. Before we go on to the, what we think of the creator flywheel, is there anything you'd add there, Barrett? So I think one of one of the things that really pushed us to create or have be a part of the creator community as our initial step there for our business was looking back at the beginnings of ConvertKit and how important it was for you to have mm-hmm. been a part of the creator community early on, because it meant you weren't just going randomly to people and saying, Hey, I think I might've built something that you could enjoy or use in your business. You were saying, I am a creator. Yep. This is what I need for my business. I know creators and I'm going to go to the people I already know, like, and trust and vice versa and tell them about it to see if they want to use it. And so from the day that you got started, that has been the fuel for how we know what to build, why we put the things on the road, the product roadmap that we put on there. Out of that comes a fundamental understanding of this group of people that allows us to build software that actually solves problems. 
And so for our business, that would that is necessary. We have to be embedded. And the bigger the company gets and the further away you and I are from being those early stage creators that are getting started with the tool, which by the way, is one reason why it's valuable for us to be podcasting, writing, and the other things is it keeps us connected right. to that. The further away we get away from that and the more layers there are between us and the customer, the more we need to focus on being part of the people in it every day, part of the community of the people in it every day. And as we get into things like, so we came from kind of this internet, I hate the term internet marketer, <laughs> but that is a little bit of like the um, content creator is kind of the background we came from. As we get into more musicians, makers, chefs, professional backgrounds that we don't personally share, it's that much right. more important for us to be in those communities and understanding them so that we build the right stuff. And only if you build the right stuff can you then provide an incredible experience. The right product fuels that ability to give great customer support, great education, and all the other things that come from that. So anyways, I just wanted to touch on that community piece for us and share why that's so important yep. there. That's good. And actually, if you take a look at our YouTube channel, um, you'll see us doing a lot of this kind of stuff. Like people are always asking, okay, why are you doing a documentary? You know, why have you uh, produced documentaries in, in the past? Why a conference and all of that? It's all about being deeply a part of the community and telling stories because then we believe that that fuels the next stages. Um, okay, I want to talk about what we've called the creator flywheel of trying to find a, a general flywheel that we believe sums up the experience for many creators. And it really starts with this learn and practice continuously. Something that we believe is that all creators should be trying to hone a skill and get really good at something and have a skill to bring to the world. And, and that's why you'll hear us kind of complain about people who like dive right into, you know, I'm going to teach people how to build an audience or how to make money online or, or any of these things. And it's like, no, 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 go learn a hard skill of design, development, art, music, photography, cooking, anything, and bring that to the world. And then if, if some of the byproducts are you want to teach people how to do what you've done, that's fantastic. But we're really pushing, okay, learn those hard skills. And then number two, like hone your, your voice and your point of view, and then your unique story. And this is something where you'll hear us emphasize things like journaling, counseling, you know, any of those things that say, okay, what makes you unique? And to do that introspection and to really dive in and, and see, okay, if I am the starting the 500th blog teaching design, why should anyone listen to me? If everything's been said before, why, like in what way is what I'm doing unique? And I, we think in a ton of ways. And so this step is about like finding what makes your, your point of view special. So the two things I would add up here to link them to yesterday's episode are learning practice continuously is kind of that ability piece mm -hmm. of the taste and ability and the hone your voice and your point of view and your unique story is a little bit of that taste piece. Yep. It's what is your taste? And so that is both sides of that, the ability and the taste piece, in addition to just like your uniqueness and your story there. Yeah, absolutely. And then we roll into number three, which is create and publish consistently. You will hear us say this until the end of time. <laughs> that consistent creating is, is the biggest thing. And the more you do it, the easier it gets, right? Each next rotation is going to be easier. And then we have actively promote your content. You've heard us say that a million times. And then finally five sell products to earn a living. And so people might think, okay, if these are in a line, if these are in a sequence, I go one through five, and then I have completed my creator journey and I am now a level five creator. I don't know what you would say here, but they think in that term, in those terms, like 
I, maybe I don't need to learn and practice more. I'm already an expert or something like that. And the truth is that it has to be a cycle that goes in around, around and around because it goes right back into learning and practicing because if you're going to become a master at something, then you're going to put in an incredible amount of time and go through a ton of repetitions on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, um, you know, if we, if we couch this in the conversation about the creator journey, you can think of there being kind of like an on-ramp and an off-ramp to this flywheel for creators. And the on-ramp is the getting started. That's all those stages we talked about of uh, having that spark or something that encourages you to get started, doing the research, coming up with a topic, building the initial like website or platform, all those things are that ramp up. And then the ramp off sometimes is someone saying, I'm tired of this project, or I'm going to sell this project. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a friend named Jason Glassby, for example, who sold a business called the Paleo Plan that was built on this kind of cycle. And then he said, I don't want to do this anymore. So he sold it, made some money and took a break. And now he's back into it with um, another site called Mostly Proud Parents, which I think is hilarious. He's got a good sense of humor. And so there's like an off-ramp as well where you shut down, move on from, or sell uh, whatever you've been doing and then start over again if you're that kind of person. Or maybe you just go do something else and you have a career. That sounds weird. You have a job working for someone else uh, as a career as opposed to being an entrepreneur. Yep, that makes sense. Okay, so I think um, to your point earlier, we we have really benefited from hearing examples of flywheels in really specific scenarios, as opposed to just like random ones. So I thought we could go through, I don't know, we have like eight minutes of content left. Let's see if we can do two or three minutes per business. Tim McGraw, who's a customer, country musician, Amber Lewis, not a, I don't believe she's a customer, but she's a big on Instagram, has a big interior design firm, very popular online in terms of sharing her designs. And then uh, Prince McClinton and the Art of Visuals, who's a mutual friend, lives in Boise, runs a big Instagram, originated as an Instagram community, has become much more than that for photographers. So let's kick off with Tim McGraw. If you had to kind of like guess his flywheel or apply the creator flywheel to his business, how would you think about that? Yeah, that's good. Um, I mean, definitely the learn and, and practice continuously, it fits, right? Of the barrier to entry as a musician, I feel like is very high right now um, or in the, the amount of skill required, right? We're not going to become famous by you know, like all the kids who like get picked up on YouTube or uh, SoundCloud, you know, I think about like uh, Justin Bieber or Billie Eilish or like who started their careers very much in the digital age, had a ton of talent and skill and a ton of practice and time. And so I think that first step is especially important. So yeah, I think that the, the creator flywheel really works. You know, it's funny, we have hone your voice as the second step. And for a musician, it's like, uh, yeah, that, that is the thing. It's like, what's your unique sound? Right. I think it's both sound and I think story applies here a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, most musicians are are kind of telling a story often of emotion mm-hmm. in whatever they're creating, uh, whether it's like uh, even an, an EDM producer all the way up to a country music artist, they're using different forms of music to tell a story. And so I think this thing is probably really important to someone like Tim McGraw, where as he has life experiences, he needs to distill those down into relatable stories, or he needs to find writers who are telling stories that resonate with him because sometimes, you know, musicians don't always write their own music. Maybe they collaborate Mm -hmm. or maybe they actually perform a song someone else has written. And so I think it's for him, 
for any musician, their style evolves over time. So understanding how their style is evolving, how their taste is changing, understanding how they can put that into musical tones and words, lyrics in their songs, that absolutely applies here. And so I think of that as kind of like, if you go to create and publish consistently, if you know the stories you want to tell, then that feeds into what are the songs you're creating right now? Because ultimately being a musician is about making songs, right. making music. Well, and to, to your point on number two, I was having a conversation with a friend a uh, week and a half ago where there's this concept that I'm playing with. I'll put it out in a post about skill, like innate talent versus learned skills. And I like, for whatever reason, I put great songwriting in an innate talent bucket. And, and he was like, what? No, no, that's not an innate talent thing. You just have to be really in touch with your emotions and bring your emotions and feelings and everything to the surface and write about that. And like, that's, that's what great songwriting is. And so it's one of those things of you can't, you can't be suppressing your feelings. You can't be looking out into the world to, to learn, to write great songs. You're like, that has to come from within and, and honing your voice and point of view and, and unique story. And I think about that with you know, so many of the rappers or hip hop artists where so much of their art comes from the environment that they grew up in and the message that they're trying to share from their community and everything else. And, and so Mm -hmm. it's like really spending time in that rather than looking for like outside inspiration. And I think it's really easy to get lost. We'll get into this maybe in a minute, but as a musician, especially it's easy to get lost in the lifestyle. Once you do, once you get popular, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Now it, actually not even just as a musician, any kind of creator, actually, you get access to new people, to new events, to all of this stuff that can distract you from the actual work. So as a musician, you're making music actively promoting is interesting because in a way, some like content creators online, their YouTube video or their whatever, their blog post is not the promotion, but for musicians, it actually is the promotion. So if you're making music as the core of what you're creating and publishing consistently, then your Instagram feed, your blog posts with behind the scenes stuff, so your emails that you're sending about the music are the promotion. Mm-hmm. So like talking about your creative process, who you're collaborating with, that would to a content creator be the thing that they're making consistently. For you, it's actually a way of promoting the music that you're making. Yeah. The other way musicians promote that I would include in that step of the flywheel is touring. Mm-hmm. And so some musicians have a really long flywheel, especially the big ones. Um, you know, you think about like a, a Justin Timberlake or um, Lady Antebellum or any of these groups where they go on like long tours, they're going to make an album, you know, and then they're going to go promote the living crud out of that thing over a long period of time before they come back around, they start the flywheel over again. And so their turns, they do feed each other because it builds up demand for future music, but they're long because the creative process is long. Right. Rotations of the flywheel will get easier and longer as you build reach and influence in these cases. Right. I imagine early on in so many musicians' careers, like they're doing really tight cycles. And now, as you mentioned, like Justin Timberlake, he comes out with an album, like it's this big, like the stakes for the album are way higher. Like he can't just throw out an experiment with ideas in the same level. And then there's a massive tour that goes with it. And there's, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars being spent. So it's this massive flywheel that's going to take longer to turn, but it also has way more effort behind it. And, and it's just going to generate way more revenue on each rotation. Totally. Um, okay, let's do another example, which uh, I, I said Amber Lewis and in interior design. So for her early on, step one, learn and practice continuously would have been 
honestly like developing taste for what design trends are, understanding color matching, uh, textures, um, spatial layouts, material, Mm -hmm. um, how materials work together, how you hang things on walls, just like the construction, the taste patterning, like all of the design sense that goes into designing physical space as opposed to digital goods would have been that early stuff. And that's always being refined as well when you come back around the flywheel again. And then if you think about voice and point of view, this goes back to the the taste conversation we had. Copying is the purest form of flattery or whatever the, the quote is. And it's a good place to start, right? But really over time, what you want to do is get exposed to a bunch of stuff and steal little bits. Austin Kleon has a book called uh, Steal Like an Artist that talks about this, of taking a bit from over here, a bit from over here, a bit from over here, and now you have your own style. And so I think honing your voice in the context of design is really, it's, it's playfulness. It's finding a style that's unique to you and trying things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would think like if I were an interior designer, I would almost have a room in my house or my office that is just a playroom for me to try out right. different stuff. And that's how I would think about honing my, my voice or my point of view there. How would you go about, like some of the other ones make sense to me. How would you go about on the promotion side? Yeah. And I think the create and publish consistently and the actively promote your content go hand in hand here. So there's a little bit, maybe this is a business where the sell products, create and publish consistently and actively promote might be a little bit in different orders. Because on some level, the content that you can publish has to come from real jobs. Right. So your, your work as a designer is designed spaces, which means you've got to sell that, or maybe you do it for free at first to create content. But then what I would be doing is thinking about, okay, how do I repurpose a design into a way to promote myself? So how do I take beautiful photography? How do I tell a story around it? Could I sit down with an interview or for an interview with clients Um, Maybe not everyone wants to do an interview, but some will. What did you want from this space? Why did you choose to work with me? What's your style? How did my style influence yours? And now you've got all this content. You've got photography for Instagram. You've got your perspective on the story behind the project. You've got the client's perspective. And that becomes what you end up turning into content to promote yourself, which is way better than you know, direct sales will have a place in this kind of business, Mm -hmm. but how much better to have people coming to you because of your Instagram popularity instead of like pounding on their door, Hey, do you need a room design today? Well, so let's run with that example for a little bit. Uh, Cause I think there's a lot of businesses say that are in this freelance or agency sort of stage where they're doing work for clients. And and so what we want to do is actually make a flywheel in this case that makes that transition from individual freelance work to freelance work with a brand, maybe even to productize. And so I think one of the first steps in that flywheel, right, is you're, you're doing great work for clients. You have some number of clients going in and, and your existing flywheel is probably do great work for clients, find more clients, <laughs> you know, and that's like the current flywheel. And right. I think that as you start to add st- steps to this, you know, maybe that if you would, I could only add one step to that flywheel, it would be do great work for clients tell the behind the scenes story of doing that work, publish it publicly, find more clients, do more great work. Okay. I added two steps, right? But what we're adding is uh, just work in public or teach everything you know to that. And so we're like going from this very back and forth client, next client, next client. And we're just saying, great, keep doing that. I just, one little tweak, write a case study every time or should do a behind Mm -hmm. the scenes video. And then from there, it's like, oh, now you have byproducts. Now you have things that you create. 
And now as your flywheel is getting uh, smarter, then it's feeding into that next step. And, and now like your portfolio is really good because you have case studies or examples on all these or behind the scenes work. So if I'm thinking about hiring you as an interior designer, instead of just having like three projects to look at, now I have a taste or a, a sense of who you are and what you believe in and what your values are and where your inspiration comes from. And now you're standing out from the crowd. Yes. I love that. I love that. Okay. Let's do the last example of art of visuals. Um, this one's fascinating to me because in some ways, uh, this is, this would be what I'd call like a a curator Mm -hmm. kind of archetype. Prince and his team have become curators of a community of people who are producing content. And I think that's really fascinating because it's a little different, right? So the first one is Prince would almost certainly not be able to do what he does if he was not embedded in the community of photographers and artists that he's a part of. And so I would very much say that like he could kind of steal that from our flywheel and say, being a photographer, being a part of that community is core to our business. We must have that in order for this to work. Then I think the same hone your voice and point of view thing applies here because Art of Visuals has a style. There's a type of photography Mm -hmm. that they are pulling into their Instagram feed and that they are promoting as their brand. It just comes from a lot of different places, a lot of different talented photographers, right? So he's got being a part of the, the photographer community. He's got establishing kind of a visual identity as a brand that attracts those kinds of people. And then for him, it is very much create and uh, publish consistently. So what he's doing is he's got his Instagram where he's uh, publishing community work and telling a story around it. He's got podcast where he's talking about the work. And those are the two big channels, right? And then they've got like a community platform where people can connect. So actively promoting the content happens in their community. It happens in on Instagram and then in all of the other ways we've talked about promoting uh, in our past episodes. And then what I love about the sell products for to earn a living piece in the art of visuals one, if they started selling presets and ways to edit your photos mm-hmm. in the style of art of visuals. And so that actually fuels back into, this is brilliant, right? Right back into being a part of the community. Because if you can learn to take and edit photos like them, you become one of them. And now you feed back into creating the content that gets published and yada, yada, yada. And it flow, uh, flows and flows and flows. Yeah, that's good. I know we're a little over time, but I want to share one more really specific example um, okay. because that's a little, or that's very different. So this is another flywheel. Um, this is for a business called Be Fit Beyond 50, uh, which is my mom's uh, fitness coaching business. So my mom has always been a very active athlete. She's done dozens of marathons, uh, half Ironman, Ironmans, all of that. And so she's now running a business providing fitness coaching. And so she's tried a bunch of different ways to build her audience that have worked to varying degrees, but this is what she found that actually fits. And when I saw it, I was like, that's a flywheel. And so I want to walk you through it. Uh, the first thing that she does is she hosts a five-day challenge on Facebook. And so it's a five-day challenge to get, I don't remember the exact details, but it's basically to get the very uh, basics of a fitness habit started. Then she goes live on Facebook, it, both in that uh, challenge group and like publicly on her Facebook page and all that every day to build enthusiasm, get people hyped up about it, get people sharing and more people into the challenge. She also does paid promotion of this challenge and, and drives ads there. Now, once people come into the challenge, she's going live, then she is going through and she's offering free coaching to build relationships. And so she's hopping on one-off coaching calls, getting people into 
like setting them up with a basic plan, what to do after the challenge, all of that. A portion of those who it's a good fit, she sells long-term coaching. So like, okay, I'm going to coach you for a year on diet and nutrition. And then, and those she's selling at a higher price point, and then she takes the profits from that and funnels it into the next challenge. And this time she spends more money to promote this challenge uh, on Facebook, reaching more people, going live to a bigger audience, more free coaching calls, and around and around and around. The first time she did this, I think she had eight people go through the challenge. The next time she was up to like 22 people. The next time was 50 people. The next time she spent more money was 200 people and so on from there. And it's been crazy to see her build the email list and build the whole audience and just find one thing that works out of a thousand different ways you could build an audience and community and just keep working that over and over again. And she's just been able to tweak and refine the details. And like now it's starting to really hit its stride. I will save my wrap up thought for thought of the day here in a minute. Uh, but I think that's, uh, hopefully that was super helpful is just hearing some examples. Um, if you want to read more about flywheels, I've got a post on flywheels at barrettbrooks.com slash flywheel singular. Um, we'll post that in the show notes and we'll see if we can get the images that you shared on the video, uh, live feed, Nathan of the, um, creator flywheel convert kits flywheel in your mom's business. Um, let's do creator of the day. All right, Barrett, who do, who do you have as a creator of the day? I don't have anyone today. I'll let you take this one. My creator of the day is someone that we have done uh, one of our I Am A Blogger documentaries about. So this is very much in that step of our flywheel as a business of sharing stories to inspire new creators to get started. Um, Courtney Slazenick runs Click It Up A Notch. Uh, I think her mom was the one who gave her that name for her business, which is just a fun little aspect of her story. But um, she teaches photography. She has uh, traditionally taught to other parents and how to capture memorable moments as a family using um, great manual mode photography. So uh, I'm a big fan of her. If you like photography or if you're interested in photography, especially of your family, she's a great resource there. Awesome. I like it. Um, I don't have a creator, so dive right into a resource of the day. This one is tiny. But it's a thing that always bothers me on my Mac, where if I hit the play button on my keyboard, either on my laptop or my iMac, it will, okay, 100% of the time I want it to play and pause Spotify. Sometimes it will play or pause a YouTube video or something else that I had open or like even open iTunes. I don't ever want it to open iTunes. And it's just sporadic. You can't do this. There's this tool. If you Google Mac Media Key Forwarder, then what it does is it, you can choose what play and pause go to, and it will always make play and pause control Spotify like God intended it to. <laughs> oh, wow. We really, that's where we went with that. Okay. Um, my resource of the day. Oh, boy. I can't remember if I've done this app yet as a resource of the day, so I apologize. But if I have, but uh, good notes. Great app specifically for iPad. Learned about it from our friend and sometimes listener, uh, Sean Blanc. But I love pairing it with an Apple Pencil on iPad. It is the best replacement. I don't like replacing physical notebooks, but I've also found that searchability and referenceability is really helpful for me when I take mm -hmm. notes. So it's the best replacement for a digital version of a physical notebook that I found using the Apple Pencil and GoodNotes. Sean Blanc also recommends this little screen covering that makes it feel like you're writing on paper with the Apple Pencil. So that's kind of an interesting added layer there. 
Um, but GoodNotes gives you searchability of your written text, which is my favorite aspect of the whole thing. You can choose different uh, paper templates and everything in the app and then use it as your digital notebook. So big fan of it. Sounds good. All right, you want to close this out? My thought of the day. When you find your creator flywheel and you prove that it works like your mom has and see she sees it turning faster and faster, one of the first things I think you will find is that you will have a tendency or... Let me replace this. I had a tendency to go find other things to spend my time on. The more successful you are, the more you will have opportunities to spend your time on things that do not lead to the success of your business. So what I would say to you is if you can find your flywheel, you can prove that it works, then you have to stay focused. You have to know that it gives you permission to say no to everything else that does not fuel the flywheel or else especially if you do, you get distracted too early, you will end up with an almost success that you might end up regretting for a very long time because you didn't stay focused on the activities that drive business results. And ultimately to stay in the game, to keep creating, to keep doing this work that we all care so much about, you have to care about the business results because it keeps you focused on the creative output and it gives you the permission to keep going. So stay focused. Don't get distracted. Uh, once you find your flywheel would be my thought of the day. Sounds good. I love it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all later. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the future belongs to creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.